Space, the final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. All right, we are back yet again. It is the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network, episode 107. I am your Trek Lord of West Michigan, Commodore of the USS Grand Podosky, Charlie Carden, coming at you with two of my awesome cohorts this week. I have the uh, indefatigable Missy Merchant on my left. Good evening. Good evening, Charlie and everyone. Good to see you. And from the windy city of Chicago, Jen Watson, how are we? Hello, I'm doing great. All right. We've got some good stuff to talk about tonight. We are wrapping up uh, the second season of Strange New Worlds. And at this point, the the last Strange New Worlds, I'm afraid <laughs> that we're going to see for at least a year uh, due to the strikes. Although I did read a headline uh, just before we got on that said that production is ready to resume when the strikes are over that could just be a soundbite who knows if it's actually true let's hope it's true um but that still has to end first uh so fingers crossed on that um as always we like to do when i kick off the show i want to give some special uh love and appreciation to our patrons the folks that do make it possible uh not only for myself but actually both of my co-hosts one of whom happens to be one of our top tier patrons to make great additional content we really do enjoy that you actually can visit patreon.com slash Secret Friends Unite, do a seven-day trial uh, to sample our content. And if you like it, feel free to stay on board. Uh, on our BFFs level, we have the awesome Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, Missy Merchant, who you might know, uh, and Missy's friend, Andy Milliken. Uh, over on the Best Buds level, Jamie Prinky is also one of our top-tier patrons. So we are very grateful for that. Once again, patreon.com slash Unite. Opt for a free trial, choose any level, and get access to our stuff and check us out. So, all right. Well, with that, with with with, with <laughs> the business part out of the way, uh, let's get on to our news story this week. I uh, I was fortunate enough again to get a screener of Lower Decks from the fine folks at Viacom. I want to give a shout out to my fan or my friend and fellow USS Grand Petoskey crewmate, Kurt Krug, who is a journalist who introduced me to some folks at Viacom and made it possible for me to get my hands on this. Um, but I've gotten to see the first eight of 10 episodes, which was a lot. I figured, you know, I figured they would have split it in half. Um, but the great news is this is coming up uh, on September 7th, which is just next week. So it's just right after Labor Day and a day before um, Star Trek Day, of which we typically will do a special edition to talk about it. Um, but I'm not really sure how much news there's going to be on this year's uh, Star Trek Day with uh, the strike and everything. But you know what? I think that'll be interesting in and of itself. Uh, but anyway, we uh, because these images are released, I feel comfortable talking about it. Uh, episode one is called Tuvix. Uh, T-W-O-V-I-X. And the entire episode is based around 
the Starship Voyager. And it is it is chock filled with Easter eggs that are pouring out of every panel in every shit in, in, in referencing all kinds of great episodes and really the, the Tuvix, which is the the meme punchline uh, that is the most associated with Voyager is kind of the crux well, that uh, of, of the episode. And but, well, yeah. and and don't think you might see the Salamanders, but I can't say too much more. <laughs> you know, my NDA prevents me from saying too much yeah. more. But um, uh, what 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 a fun episode! I was I was <laughs> ear to ear. I, April and I watched this about a week ago. Oh, I'm not supposed to say she watched them with me. Uh-oh. Um, uh oh. So I watched them about a week ago, and and they were just absolutely delightful. So, um, guys, skimming skimming over, uh, and the second episode is uh, an occasion. I'm trying to see if they included an image. There is hey. a. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was going to say the title. They have released that. That's I have no bones yet. I yes. Must I didn't know it. They didn't include a picture of the um the cre the cute cuddly creature that's at the crux of this episode because they visit uh, what's ex- what's a space zoo, um and it's one of those uh, I just one of those I literally cannot say more. And for the purpose of obviously this being released, um. <laughs> Uh, they don't, whoever, you know, the person who wrote this doesn't want to say it either. So, um, how are you guys feeling about lower decks? Are you fired up? I mean, we're, we're all lower decks lovers here. I know Missy, you've been on with us when we talked about lower decks and then Jen, this will be your first occasion to talk lower decks with us when the show drops. So yes, I love lower decks. It's fantastic. <laughs> so I, I am very excited for this. I am, yeah. I am trying to not read too much into it because I like going into lower decks with no expectations for the season, but I am still very hopeful. It's going to be good. Well, I uh, I will simply say this, as I did uh, going into Strange New Worlds, is that I feel it's a step forward for the series. Um, it really capitalizes on all the things you enjoy the most, uh, Easter eggs in this case, and then um, actual character development for our favorite little cartoony characters, and some winks and nods. Um, to some things that happened in between. Um, so that's all I'll say. But again, uh, Paramount Plus on uh, September 7th. If you don't have Paramount Plus, you uh, very likely that if you visit the website in and around that time, there will be a 30-day trial, which not only gives the opportunity to check this out, but then to see uh, you know basically all the other Star Trek programming, mm-hmm. not Prodigy, uh, <laughs> that exists is available on Paramount Plus. So if you, if you haven't mm-hmm. checked it out, uh, it does get my fondest recommendation, not just because they are so good to me and to this show and to this network. Um, so anyway, all right, let's jump on in. We have the final two episodes uh, of uh, Lower Decks Season 2 to talk about. Strange New um, Worlds. Strange New Worlds, hello. <laughs> See, my, my brain doesn't transition You're so that excited for Lower Decks. I know. <laughs> I can't take it. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jen, I'm going to give you the privilege of talking about Episode 9. Um, and I'll tell you what, you feel free to read the summary. You give your take. Missy, you go, and then I'll bring it up the rear. So, Jen, go for it. Okay, uh, Strange New World Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody. (laughs) An accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the USS Enterprise to break uncontrollably into song. But the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies, and enemies alike. Apologies, I appear to be singing... (laughs) Well, how do you really feel? I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the most fun that I've had since the Lower Decks crossover. Two, uh, two episodes I mean, ago. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, right. But like, 
Strange New Worlds is just delivering episode after episode. Uh, there has not been a dud yet. There's been some that I've like slightly less than others, but like I, I'm amazed. I'm astounded. I'm. I mean, I had the same input. After I saw, you know, we, I, the first six came in the first batch and I was sprinkling it, not only talking to you guys, but then also, you know, talking to the internet in general saying, this is really delivering. There was one guy I remembered when I first posted on some social site, I said, this is a huge improvement. And the guy's like, well, the guy was really pissed that I said it was a huge improvement, you know, but I'm like, uh, I, I don't know why that would make anybody mad. That's, that's my opinion. And, and, and it's interestingly enough, you know, people, uh, seem to be agreeing with me after the fact so i don't know um any other thoughts i mean what what were your favorite what, what was the thing that made it your this so fun for you what, what um, really delivered i love the fact that the the singing was like there was a in-universe reason for the singing like there was on the buffy musical once more with feeling um that they were confused by it that they were um trying to work it out in song also um that it followed the rules of a musical. Um, they had, like they were saying on the actual episode, when characters can't speak, when they're so overcome with emotion that they can't speak, they start to sing. When they're so overcome with that, then they, when they can't sing, then they dance. Uh, there's a quote, I can't recall exactly what it is, but it's along those lines. And this definitely followed those rules. Um, it followed a structure of a musical, like the Typical musical has an I want song, which talks about what a character wants. And uh, La'an got that I want song. Um, Uhura had the 11 o'clock number where you get that big realization near the end of the show. And the fact that, you know, it's solved by them all cooperating and working together is just the, the most Starfleet thing. The it's power fantastic. of friendship. It is. Which is such a yeah. musical theater kind of thing. It's, oh, and I loved all the songs. I mean, yeah, some of them were the, the, um, the Una's song to La'an might've been the, like, not quite my favorite one there, but like, oh my God, La'an's song, Uhura's song, Chapel's song, the fact that Spock's song is a companion piece. I, I called it an anti-duet while I was watching this <laughs> because it's the same chord progressions. It's the same melody. It's just, you know, she's joyful and she's swinging and like it's she's got this great feeling. She's got this, you know, she's with the fellowship and Spock's I'm the ex. It, you know, this news really changes everything, but with this very like serious very spock kind of demeanor to it and gosh everyone's so good everyone's so good at what they do i'm i, I love this episode <laughs> I've been, I've been listening to the soundtrack pretty much since it came out. So I, yeah, I, I I have certainly <laughs> sampled the soundtrack a little bit more than uh, than 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 I would have expected. So Missy, uh, what's your take? How do you feel? I mean, I also love this just as much as the Lower Decks crossover episode. I actually made a note that Spock's uh, part of the musical. I called it like the Romeo scene. Like he was the he was the sacrifice, the emotional sacrifice for the entirety of it. Um, you know, his sacrifice for his emotions with Christine, you know, I have to do this and I have to be the ex, but 
but this is what I have to do at this point and explore these human emotions to better our chances of actually getting out of the situation. Yeah. So it was an ultimate, it was a singing act, but it was still an act of, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or mine. <laughs> a singing, a singing act. That, that could be, that could be an early favorite, uh, for the a singing act of sacrifice. Hold on. Um, Uh, I will throw in there an, a side note that uh, when Kay and I were discussing this, her one of her early comments was, uh, Ethan Peck, good sir, it should be illegal for you to be that talented, gorgeous, and be able to sing while being polite. Right? <laughs> the quad, the octangle of a threat. My goodness. Exactly. Literally, <laughs> oh, have it all. My goodness. All right. Any other thoughts before I before I I bring this one down? I and I hate I hate to say, but I will be bringing it down a little bit. But that's okay. Um, I'll say an early screw you, but I also that's fair. <laughs> uh, I also loved that there was the different meaning behind each person's song. Like I said, Spock. You know, the realization that this isn't going where I was hoping it would. Um, and even though I agree Una's song wasn't my favorite, uh, the line from it, hiding secrets, a skill I wish I'd never learned. Yes. To be able to tell that to Lon. And yeah. then Lon's aria was just holy fucking spot on in my feels. True. I had to, True. I, had to bring I gotcha. The tears. And then um, I like doing a little bit of background research. So it was actually Christina Chong's idea. She was the one that brought it to the production team and said, I really want to do a music. <laughs> wow. Idea. A Star Trek. Well, that's her background too. Yeah, I've, I've, I, yeah, I've been playing her EP um, mm -hmm. for a bit. She has a four song EP uh, that I learned about when we were out in Vegas because she had it at her table. And I got to meet her lovely young woman, very just very, very kind. Um, and the and the EP's great. Yeah, without a doubt. So, um, all right. Well, little little bit of a down note on this one. I was like fifty fifty on this one, uh, and I come from. Believe it or not, well, you, it's not hard to believe anybody who's met me. I'm a very musical person. I come from musical theater background. I was in four musicals in high school, all four years. Choir for five years. I sing every day of my life. I, you know, <laughs> exhaustive catalog of music of any kind. Uh, I sing in every episode of every podcast I've ever done. Nothing stops me from dropping into song. I practically live in a musical. That being said. Jen, I am down with the. I agree with you that they found a good in-universe, very Star Trekish way to do this plotline. Space anomaly. Uh, we've got to do this thing to get out of it. I mean, there have been more ridiculous ideas of. I mean, Lower Decks really capitalizes on ridiculous ways to get out of things, and I get that. We've got to sing our way out of here. You know, it reminds me of uh, uh, the end of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. It's how are we going to get out of here? Singing. Uh, same kind of thing. That being said, and again, the, the depths, the, the bit with Kirk and Lon, my God, that was absolutely terrific. Um, and it's 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 always hilarious to me. People who don't know what the hell they're talking about will take in outrage to social media. Well, Kirk never knew he had a son. Kirk absolutely knew he had a son. Uh, you know, watch the scene where he sees adult David for the first time. And he says, is this David? You know, or why didn't you tell him that I was his father? Father, you know what I mean? So I, I, I love I love the feigned outrage of people who don't do their homework. And in the age of the internet, there's no excuse. You know, don't I I'm not a fan of people very blatantly putting their stupidity out there without using a little thing we'd like to call Wikipedia.org. Um my detractor for this is I didn't care for the songs. I thought most of them were I, I didn't like the lyrics. 
I think they, I, I, and it wasn't, the, God, all the performances were incredibly spot on. Nailed it. Um, didn't like the songs. And this was a rare occurrence that two things, because we talked about this a week or so ago on SFU, Oxford and me, uh, and we were of the same opinion. Liked the concept. Todd also a fan fan of musicals, even though he he can't carry a tune in a bucket. Trust me, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just uh, the songs and, and and the lyricizing just did not do it for me. All the performances absolutely great. My favorite portion uh, of the episode, as I mentioned, was was the you know the the raw of Christina's performance that song I really liked mm-hmm. and then ultimately her kind of putting it putting all of it on the line with Kirk and not even really being rejected but for him stepping up and saying uh and showing really uh, something that is rapidly making him my favorite Kirk without a doubt is that he approached that situation with integrity he didn't just say oh this girl doesn't know anything about me but you know give him a chance to get mm-hmm. in there and and be the Shatner Kirk that we saw, you know, <laughs> hooking up with every green alien that came along, he had some integrity and he said, yeah, I've got this on again and off again. Uh, you know, I think you'd really like her, but she's pregnant and, you know, I got to give it a go. So it leads one to believe that since we know that relationship with Carol Marcus doesn't work out, um, uh, what that's ultimately going to mean if, you know, Lon survives, uh, if she and Kirk <laughs> see each other again uh if they never see each other again because again space is a big place and starfleet is a huge organization maybe they'll never connect mm-hmm. again but that was that was my pull away that i really like for them so but the songs the, the lyricizing you know trying to make clever twists and turns and this it's just uh, it, it, there were real parts of it that just didn't grab me um but i was very very fond of how they turn this into a very Star Trekky story. I don't know that I've seen the the Buffy once more with feeling. Eventually, I'm sure I'll I'll end up seeing it yeah, because you yeah, should. we've we've <laughs> covered uh, it myself uh, over on Patreon myself and uh, and uh, Kelly Gentner who uh, we were uh, we were at, at C two E two and did our Voyager photo shoot. She was our Janeway uh, mm-hmm. is a huge Buffy fan and we did that together. So much like that show and Jen with Sequest, we got to get back to doing <laughs> Sequest. Uh, we're we're going to tackle more of it. And Missy and I have a couple in the bank that we've got to record. So including Daria season one, which I think is going to be a blast. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't know, maybe I was in the wrong frame of mind, uh, but that, that part of it kind of missed me, but, um, musical burn, man, it's the discovery, it's the equivalent to the discoveries burn, but they got to do it with their voices. The, the, the voice burn the oh my gosh the voice burn that could be a better one um well while i type that in missy why don't you do us the honor of taking us to the season finale all right strange new world season two finale when the uss enterprise investigates an attack in a colony on the edge of federation space captain pike and crew face the return of a formidable enemy shum 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 <laughs> I will probably be in the minority. I did not like this episode. You see, you can be in the minority and we still, you know, we still respect you in the morning. That's how code 47 works. Video feed cut off. Um, (laughs) I I think I just lost everyone. Am I here? Oh, no. We got you. (laughs) Okay. Whoops. Did we really lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. Are you all right? Okay. We can see you. We're good. All right. You're good. Can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. This 
This is a testament to the fact that I don't edit, so everybody gets to hear all of this. So, Missy, please, <laughs> Missy, please continue. Um, I had hopes for the season finale. I always like a good cliffhanger as much as they piss me off in the moment. Sure. But as soon as the enemy was made known again, I went, it's the goddamn go- Why the goddamn... <laughs> Like every season's gonna be the goddamn Gorn. Again. It's like the it's like the Borg and Voyager, right? Oh, let, let's go back to the well again. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, what's gonna hold? Oh, season three. That means we're gonna get the Gorn. I'm so excited. <laughs> oh, really, Gorn? Okay, cool. What else you got? But, but I will have to say, I very much appreciate Scotty and. So far, yes. obviously, it's only one episode, part of one episode, but I'm really pulling for this version of Scotty for young Scotty. He's really got my interest right now. S- Scotty Doe! <laughs> He's a delight. Isn't He's he? First first Scottish actress, uh, actor to step into the role of the, <laughs> the three main portrayers uh, of Scotty. So, yeah. Um, yeah, cool. All right, Jen. Um. Yeah, I was a, I, I was a little underwhelmed by by this too, but I think that coming off of an episode that was just such a delight for me, uh, going into this season finale, um, I mean it's called Hegemony, so I you know you know it's going to be about the Gorn. Um, I do like what they're doing with the Gorn in that they're sort of hinting at the fact that these Gorn are intelligent. I mean, you know. They say at one point, oh, they're just monsters, but like the whole point is that they're not. That, you know, that's eventually going to lead into what we see in Arena and, and that Gorn, um, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I like how they're reimagining them yeah. as, as like an actual threat. They're actually scary. Um, you actually do fear for the people that are taken away um, and that have to, you know, oh, are we going to see them again? Because uh, not everybody that was taken has plot armor, right? So, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, there, there was a lot that I did like, though. I liked Scotty. I liked um, the the whole thing at the the beginning where it's like this is a small town, and it's sort of an homage to in the original series them sort of reusing sets, right? Yeah, frequently. the 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 famous mm-hmm. you know New York City set that you see in Murray yeah. or you see in a piece of the action or the city on the edge of forever. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, well, I, uh, yeah, this episode in some ways really suffers from something that you can't get away from in a prequel. Um, that is a holdback for people who are purists and those who are in the know, but it's wide open for a lot of the people, uh, who are using strange new worlds as their springboard to get into Star Trek in the first place. Easy point of access. You know, Todd and I, we've had three or four people, uh, on the show that, you know, I end up talking about Star Trek just cause it's natural and he's a fan as well. So it'll come out. And then our, you know, we'll say we had a guest just this week. It was the carpool gaming, uh, gentleman who talked, uh, Ahsoka with us that episode, uh, which came out last week. Um, where we said this is the great um, series that offers the lowest barriers to entry. You don't you don't have to know a lot. Yes, there are some established characters, um, but it's it's an ease in. Um, but it's a blessing and a curse because a prequel uh, with established characters, and particularly one that's that's really right on the heels of. Um, the original series, which is something I'm going to posit to the two of you when we wrap up my big. Um, my big new direction that I'm going to take us in once we get out of lower decks. I'll talk about that in a minute here, but it, it, it removes a lot of the bite of the stakes, you know, who's going to live, who's going to die. Pike's you know, you, you know, that 
most of our crew is going to survive. You know, will Captain Patel survive? You know, if she does or she doesn't, I mean, you know where Pike is headed. You know, you know that Spock is going to be fine. You know, the chapel is going to be fine. So that's that's tough to jump into a cliffhanger with that kind of um, toothlessness, unfortunately. Um, I am going to posit that maybe the stakes don't matter. Okay, I'm listening. Maybe that's not what it's about. Okay. Maybe it's about how we get there. Because the journey, the, like Harry Kim, <laughs> exactly. Yes, to the journey. Um, to the journey. Because the same thing happened in Star Wars, right? Like you knew what was going to happen in the prequel series, right? Um, and and okay. all throughout Clone Wars, you knew, you know, Obi Wan was going to be fine. Yeah, Anakin, you know what happens to Anakin, et cetera, et cetera. So, with that in mind, it becomes what happens on the way to that. How do they How- become the people that we? do get to know in the original right. series. So how, how the story is told as opposed right. to what the story is. And I how does it recontextualize valid. the original series? Which is exactly where we're headed after we wrap mm-hmm. up here and I will tell you all about it. So um, yeah, I think that's valid. Um, and again, we're left with a cliffhanger at the end where Pike mm-hmm. is standing on the bridge with his it, all the blood drained from his face. The ship is being pounded uh, you know, by the weapons of the Gorn ship. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? We may not find out for a very, very long time. For because two years, yeah, probably. It it's could abs- be worse it could- than the summer of 1990. Right. Yeah, exactly. You ruined my <laughs> summer, Patrick Stewart's unfortunate. Unfortunately, encounter on the on the PCH. Um, so, okay, all right. Well, uh, with that, any final thoughts on episode ten before we go into our wrap up and then my grand presentation? All right, crickets. That works for me. Yes. Okay, it Scotty's was great. It I was yeah, Scotty. No, <laughs> Scott. Scotty doesn't know. Uh, <laughs> I knew that one would make Missy laugh. Missy, I have this, uh, I always challenge Missy, whenever I travel, I like a stupid movie to watch uh, when I'm in my hotel room, and Missy hooks me up, and one of them was Road Trip, uh, or Euro Trip. I know that that was from one of those two movies. It was from Euro Trip. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that again uh, on SFU. We were That came up in some context. Mm-hmm. But All right, so um, season two, let's have a favorite, and let's have a least favorite, and we'll start with Missy. My favorite uh, is gonna have to be. God, I did not prepare for this one like I should have. That's okay. I like to. Jen, I'll come. I'll, I'll come back. Okay. All right. Oh boy. Now, now, now Jen gets panicked. Uh, <laughs> and if it has to pass, you pass to me because I, I can riff. I've done it for a long time. No, I'm good. I'm good. I think right, that. Cool. Um, I think my favorite. Well, my least favorite was Among the Lotus Eaters. And I think just because the, I mean, first of all, the sound really yeah. bothered me in that one. But I think that as a story, it was not, it just wasn't as strong as some of the other ones. It was a little bit slow moving. It was not quite what I want from Strange New Worlds, but it was still good. Like it had, it was a great character study of Pike still. So yeah. just being yeah. my least favorite still is a, a better episode than, you know, some worse episodes from other series. Um, Favorite. Um, (laughs) Can I make it a three-way tie between charades, uh, subspace Rhapsody and uh, those old scientists? (laughs) I think a three-way tie works for me. All right, Missy, Missy, are you feeling (laughs) your salt or do I need to go next? That's up to you. I'm good. Um, 
my least favorite's gonna have to be episode 10 the season finale i'm as much as it plays out in the original i'm not a huge fan of the gorn plot line and i like i said i do like a good cliffhanger but i don't feel i'm gonna miss not having immediate lead in most likely next year to strange new worlds but not because of this episode just because of the overall entirety of the show and I'm going to have to do a two-way tie for my favorite with uh, those old scientists and Under the Cloak of War. It was Ooh. a rough episode. Mm. Right. The, but the psychology behind it. It hit you where you live. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that's real world for me. That's big time. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm right there with Jen. The Lotus Eaters episode uh, was uh, uh, audiologically distracting um mm-hmm. while the plot line was very interesting and again touched on something that uh was endemic to the unaired plot to the cage which you know they, it really took us right back to the start um i also felt the kind of you know lack of of satisfaction even though you know it, it, yeah no episode two at astra paraspera that's my favorite one. Oh, okay look at that yeah I'm sorry. I mean, like, at, wipe the slate. Wipe the slate. It's got too many. It's got too many good episodes. I, I know. It's like, that, that one was such a. It was. Like, it, it, it was. It was. Star Trek. For, right for there. A, yeah, for acting, it was like the award goes to. I totally agree with you. For character I'm, background, for you, you would have to go with that. But as far yeah. as overall I, overall episode theme, it still wouldn't yeah. be my top. Yeah, I'm. I. Ugh, this is gonna. I'm this sorry, is gonna. Th- yeah, this is gonna have to be one that you know. Over on X, hit us up at Secret uh, yeah. Friends You or uh, at the C3 if you want to hit me up personally. Tell us what your favorite episode is, and yeah. we might have to get a poll going at some point. Well, I'll jump in. Um, yeah. you know, my favorite is without a doubt, uh, just because of my over exuberance, my my rebirth of the love of lower decks. Those old scientists is gonna be mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, uh, having met Tawny on a number of occasions and and just learning what a delightful person she is. Um, and then, you know, having also obviously met Jack Quaid, what, what, what a wonderful pair. Uh, and, and what a whole lot of fun. And again, self-contained episode, um, but it bridged the gulf. It's not that we've not had Star Trek crossovers before because many of the other shows have crossed over, mm-hmm. but it's never been this much of a thrill ride. Um, and it's never been like, oh, it's life and death and da-da-da-da-da. It was just, you know, this, this was a genuinely good time in a season that took us to all of the, all of the quadrants or more quadrants than that of emotion of fun and adventure and, uh, and depth of character all growth. Of yeah. The strange new worlds, all of the strange new worlds. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to wrap this segment up <laughs> with letting you know that after we finish lower decks, because I had this idea right when, when I saw hegemony and, and, uh, you know, the new uh, actor for Scotty, whose name is continuing to escape me. I don't know if somebody's got it up in front of them, but anyway, it got me to thinking we now have more than more than half of the TOS cast recast within this continuum. So what we're going to do, Martin Quinn, Martin Quinn. I knew there was a Quinn in there or I knew there was a Martin. I had one part, but not the other, but I don't remember which part it was. What we're going to do headed into 2024. We are going to look at a potential reboot of TOS with these actors. 
I actually mentioned this on SFU last week, so shame on you guys for not listening. Uh, I hinted at it, I should say. So what we're going to do, and, and again, we, we have a rotating stable uh, of guest hosts here. So whoever uh, is is going to commit to being on, we will each take uh, an episode or maybe two or three episodes within a season. So like, for example, season one had 30 episodes. Give me five that if if somebody said, give me five scripts to remake, which five would you choose? And we'll and we'll split it up into segments. So we we may do a total of fifteen for season one, but we'll split it up over three episodes. We, we you know with no new content, we really got to stretch. And we'll we'll take a break when Star Trek Discovery comes on, and then when that's over, we'll go right back to it. And so that'll take us through the entirety of the series. Um, but uh, yeah, I, the only people that we're missing is Chekhov, Sulu, and McCoy. But we have everybody else, including Mabenga, who was a guest actor who only appeared in a couple of episodes of TOS. So and Rand. I know Rand wasn't in it much, but she was a named character still. Right. Exactly correct. So. Yeah, she wasn't also starring. So um, so I'm giving you guys and uh, my other, you know, our two other guest hosts, uh, if you happen to be listening, uh, now's the time to start sharpening your pencil. Go back, look at those TOS <laughs> episodes, and figure out which one of them <laughs> you think really deserves a 21st century repenciling. So. I can think of a few off the top of my head. Oh, all right. I can't wait. Well, well, you know, say, yeah, say, yeah, leave them wanting more. Keep saving it. All <laughs> right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up the first segment of the show and we're going to say uh, goodbye to Missy. Uh, and then Jen and I are going to come back and talk to you about Star Trek The Next Generation. Missy, where do people find you out there? Uh, I'm on all the socials. I'm most active on Instagram at, at mamamerch33. Awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, we will pause for station identification and we will be right back. Next Generation, Season 4, Part 1. Uh, this is the 1990 to 1991 series. Now, Jen, I doubt very much, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were watching this the first time around. I was not actually yes. watching this. I understand. Uh, and and, and yeah. reveal of your age is completely unnecessary. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, and I mentioned this before, I was not a regular TNG viewer throughout the seven years. I uh, I was in uh, sixth grade when TNG came on in 1987. Um, I watched most of the first season. I think I got into the second season and I dropped off at some point. I remember watching The Best of Both Worlds, The Cliffhanger, which we, is going to kick off what we talk about. And then I kind of drifted my way through it, caught it here and there. And it wasn't until early in the fifth season that I was, something clicked with me and I was watching it every week, you know, recording it on my VCR and pausing out the commercial so I could go back and watch it and watch it and watch it. Um, as opposed to DS9, which I watched start to finish every week, taped every episode. Voyager, I dropped out for a while and came back, which I know I've mentioned before. But yeah, it was it was during this time that I was not a super active viewer. But um, as we're going to see, these are, uh, in my opinion, some of the most powerful episodes of the series. So, um, so let's, yeah. let's jump right on into it. And it's funny, of the six-pack, I actually didn't, bother to watch the best of both worlds part two because i have seen it so many times that i could probably read the <laughs> script to you if i had to um but i'll kick it off by reading the summary uh episode one is the best of both worlds part two directed by cliff bowl regular of the series written by michael pillar one of the superstars of the star trek universe from september of 1990 picard is rescued from the borg as the enterprise races to save earth data interfaces with the half borg picard to find a way to shut down the borg ship guest star elizabeth dennehy who we've interviewed for our patreon lovely woman as starfleet commander shelby so this was star trek's first honest to god 
cliffhanger. Uh, it wasn't the first two-parter because the first two-parter uh, lent itself to the menagerie in season one of the original series, which really just recycled the cage. So it both was and it wasn't a true two-parter. It was kind of like, and with 40% new footage. Um, <laughs> but th- this was the first, we've talked about this many, many times. This is one of mm-hmm. the most famous segments uh, of Star Trek in general. It went very, very far in our bracket challenge back in episode 100. Um, so I'll ask you this question, Jen, if you were to compare contrast, uh, the first part and the second part of the best of both worlds, which was the better story? I do like the second half. Yeah. I I think there's a solid resolution to, you know, I mean, Picard getting rescued, of course, but Mm -hmm. I, I really like the way that the episode ends also where there's some uncertainty and you're not quite sure where do we go from here. Right. Um, I like the way that that feels. It's especially unique for episodic television at the time. Sure. Um, especially because, you know, the next couple episodes, which we will talk about, do kind of address some of that. Uh, right. it's, it's really neat to have that, the repercussions set up. Um, I, I really liked the, the struggle within Riker, in this one also. Um, I mean, obviously in the first one, he's like, well, you know, he's, he says to fire uh, and that's yeah. where it drops out. But like, he still has to wrestle with this decision of this is, this is Picard. And how do I deal with this? And I'm the captain now, but like, I wish this was different circumstances. And this is really his story. And yeah. Um, and I, and I like that. I like seeing this, this conflict in him, um, where he's not just, uh, there's other episodes that do show him in a conflict, but I think that, you know, in retrospect, the stuff about Riker that stands out is, you know, angel one type stuff where he's in the, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he's, he's he's showing off the goods. Yeah. Riker's supposed to be like the Kirk of next generation. The man, the man's man. Yeah. All right. man all the time. So to have this struggle in him, I, I liked seeing that it really developed him as a character. And it is an, a really good um, furthering of the uh, the working relationship between Riker and Picard, as we will see as the series continues. Right. Um, I, you know, it, it, this episode and then really getting into the next one really underscores just how brilliant Whoopi Goldberg is as Guinan. Oh, April and I yeah. were wa- we, we, April and I, April was watching um, the next episode with me and, and there are uh, a few pivotal scenes with, with Guinan in them, which we'll talk about in a minute. But the, uh, the scene in the ready room with Riker uh, and with Guinan is you know, when she coins the term, you know, talking about Picard and letting him go, and she simply asks him, you know, did he ever tell you why we're so close? And Riker says, no, Picard's a very private guy. You would expect he would never talk mm-hmm. about such a thing. And she says, well, let me just say that, long pause, our relationship is more than friendship. It's more than family. And I will let him go. Because that that was the purpose of Guinan's whole being there is to say, hey, you have to, it's, you know, use the force. Let go of distractions <laughs> because, you know, all, all the chips are on the table poker analogy um Riker is captain loved Riker is captain really mm-hmm. super not happy how he even ends the episode saying everybody's wondering about my next job and my career plans are my own but it's great to know I have some options and in the next episode he's right back to doing his exact same gig with absolutely no addressing uh to it 
perfectly understandable um, mm-hmm. in in regards of episodic television because again, if he became a captain, he'd go off on his own. So and so, and they weren't really prepared uh, to do that at this point, though that has manifested itself in in other ways and other series of of mm-hmm. having the characters in different settings on an ongoing basis and and having people come back together. So. Um, but yeah, best of, best of both worlds overall is is an epic, unmatched, and just really sets the table for, you know, two part trek epics that follow. And there will be a time in the show that that we will be tackling, and probably in segment one specifically, Star Trek epics, and 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 we'll, so we will come back to this as a two parter <laughs> or, or as a single piece uh, at one point. But. Um, yeah, I I asked you the question, which one is better? I don't know if I can answer it. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many fantastic performances and concepts in this. Yeah. You know, the Borg aren't quite as you know, the, the Borger is new at this point, so they're not as as ground down overused as they become in Voyager because it's like, uh, well, we need another story with Seven because she's the most popular character. So now another <laughs> Borg widget falls off, or you know, she needs to get a new car battery or something. You know what I mean? It's just so w- at least within this, the Borg are scared. They're mysterious. They're unstoppable. They are. Um, they don't know what they're dealing with. And right. there is a point in, in this episode, too, where, where Data is talking about, oh, their their commands come from and he's cut off. Right. And it's like, well, in retrospect, that could very well be the queen. It's right. It's just, you know, that she's not established at this point. So we right. Don't well, know, it would, it would, ha- it would have still, to be. What else would it be? It still slots in. Yeah. It still fits. So, right. y- you know. Right, still hanging on some of the and you're right. The, absolutely, that last shot of you know after Shelby and Riker leave the the ready room, and he's mm-hmm. going to take a sip of his tea, and he puts it down, and you can just tell that his complete lack of ease that we know he continues to experience for the rest of his life, and then even yeah. into his second life as as a golem, and in, in, in you know af, in the Picard series yeah. uh, when he becomes a bot. Um, that I mean, th- there are repercussions that begin here uh, that that drive the plot line of season three of Picard with the fact yeah. that you know he had a um, you know he had a, a Borg bitten him that uh, uh, that became part of his DNA that he passed down to his son. Uh, and that ha- the that happened that in this episode establishes that his reputation as well. I mean, we see that with Cisco on Deep Space Nine. We see it with Shaw in season three of Picard. Um, It's how does he manage that reputation? That would be an interesting storyline, I think, to take at some point. But um, yeah, just it it sets up so much for so much of the rest of the the whole franchise, really, because even like contact, like everything. It's yeah, this is a, a pivot point by which so many other storylines and, and and just an overall mantra of everything grow from. So yeah, I would, I would put best of both worlds as far as you look at, at, at Trek epics is probably the most important, even though it, it didn't get our top rating in the bracket. It was, it was, I'd have to look back. And that's was, my was, fault. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, that's, I mean, hey, you know, we, we, all, I think the majority of us agreed that, you know, the measure of the man is the yeah. finest single episode of Star Trek. Um, but anyway, okay, let's move on um, to, this is the episode that I did watch. And in some ways it's considered a third part of of the best of both worlds storyline because it's the epilogue um mm-hmm. episode two is family directed by Les lando and written by my guy i was so disappointed that he, can- he canceled mm-hmm. about a week before vegas happened but i was really looking forward to meeting him i was so bummed mm-hmm. i was going to get an autograph and i've just always been a huge fan of ron d moore the creator uh of not only so much of klingon lore uh but also of the reimagined battlestar galactica which is probably my hands down other favorite 
franchise that exists. I just absolutely adore it. Uh, from September of 1990, while the Enterprise is undergoing repairs at Earth, Captain Picard visits his brother's family in France. Lieutenant Worf's adoptive parents come to see him aboard the ship, and Dr. Crusher gives her son Wesley a personal hollow recording left by his late father shortly after his birth. Oh, talk about a wide-sweeping range of emotions of, yeah. of of family dynamics you have brothers i have an older brother we don't speak it's a long story um so and it's not like it was that way you know i saw this when i was you know 13 years old so it's not like i saw that and i thought oh that's about me and my brother and you know because we don't get along <laughs> as adults we don't get along so watching this again just last week really kind of touched me in that regard um mm-hmm. but then you look at um wharf being being a being a, a child of adoption and and then being from a different world and his parents are in a lot of ways they start off as funny caricatures his mother is you know the fretting dotering mom and his dad's the big like oh right, blah blah you know he's just kind of b- bouncing around and being silly and the silly portion turns into a very si- uh, serious portion again mm-hmm. I think because of that great scene they have in Ten Forward when it's the two of them and it's 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 Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan just really showcasing. I turned to April when we were watching this. I said she is brilliant you know you know yeah everybody the line is everybody comes in here you know they look towards that star that they consider home and i see Worf in here as well and when he's looking out he's not looking towards the Klingon empire he's looking here he's looking to the two of you yeah that that really touches base and then you know then moving on to wesley who has you know an absentee parent because he never knew his father his father was five years old when he died um this also gave us the modified monster maroon uniform that i personally love in cosplay because it's pretty easy to replicate no belt no undershirt um but yeah as we get to see uh you know jack crusher in this hollow recording the uh the very handsome doug Wirt, who we do see again in another flashback uh during wesley's swan song uh called journey's end at the end of season seven uh, of tng um this is absolutely one of my favorites just an, you know like i said just because it looks from family dynamics it's so many different angles um that can that that touch different people in different ways and you know real real storytelling and one of the things i think star trek does really really well is to produce different perspectives that you turn and say hey you know i feel that because you know i i struggle with i'm the child of adoption and i struggle with what that means to me or you know i have a a tough you know family relationship with my adult sibling and so this really speaks to me you know so yeah it was um absolutely one of my favorites i don't know how about you i also really enjoy this one um yes as a follow-up to best of both worlds because it, it is one of those things that does address that picard is floundering at this point so he needs to reconnect to something familiar unfortunately the only thing that's familiar is this strained relationship that he has with his brother right you know he went off to space and his brother's taking care of you know the family legacy and having a child and i mean this is something that i somewhat relate to i mean not that i'm in a starship wish that i was but i mean kind of um but my sister has kids my sister's married you know and she's younger than me um not by much but she is so i like you were saying i did find something to sort of i mean we're on better terms but the fact that 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 is the dynamic is something that is relatable and had me relating to Picard even on his own show where he's talking about like, you know, not having kids. I don't have kids. I have cats. Um, mm-hmm. As do I. I'm, I have kids, I'm but I, but I enjoy, that, I, I enjoy know? my cats much more certainly <laughs> these days. Um, and I 
also really love Worf's dynamic as well with his parents and how he sort of, I think he sort of overcompensates a little bit by being like trying to be the most Klingon Klingon ever without actually being, you know, someone in the empire. The fact that he's of his discommendation is, is stinging at this point. And he's still reeling from those effects. Um, And that's putting him at this odds with, you know, the culture that he's brought up in versus the culture that he wants to identify with because of his, you know, actual genetic heritage. So it, it's a lot of very interesting stories all kind of woven together. Um, The Wesley thing you've mentioned as well. Um, I have less to say about that. uh, But I, you know, not, not in a way that it's bad or anything, just, um, there's just a little bit more for me with the Picard and the Wharf of right. it all. And that's the beauty of it. Like I said, coming mm-hmm. from the three-pronged approach, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that th- that gives an equal opportunity because not all the stories are given the same weight. I mean, Picard yeah, is the A story. ABC. you know, Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, Wharf is B and then Wesley is C because it's such a yeah. small part. But, um, but yeah, absolutely exceptional episode of season. So, okay, moving on. Episode three yes. is all yours. All right. We have episode three, Brothers. Um, directed by Rob Bowman and written by Rick Berman, uh, October 6th, 1990. Data is summoned by his creator, Noonien Sung. They are joined by Data's brother, Lore. Whoops! <laughs> well, Hello. you know, stealing the starship is the uh, Starfleet way. So, yeah, uh, I, you know. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely spectacular how there are zero repercussions for what Data does. I mean, it's not really his fault. Uh, but still, he does. Yeah. But you know, yeah, yeah. it's uh, he's uh, so he's sort of taken over by this homing signal that his mm-hmm. father sends out. Um, and this too is an episode that also deals with family and could right. be, you know, its own sort of follow up. And it, this collection of episodes really does all deal with family and familial right. relationships, which it, it all ties it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh. So he goes back to see his father. Uh, Sung is dying. Um, and Lore shows up and Sung was like, I didn't even know that you'd been <laughs> right. reassembled and rebuilt. Uh, right. So it's it's data dealing with his brother um, and what their relationship is. It's like it can't really be antagonistic because data doesn't have emotions. But the point in this episode that really stuck out for me was data learning that he's not the inferior model. Right. You know, I am not less perfect than Laura. I'm not less perfect than Laura. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So that is like, so I have ADHD, right. And I was diagnosed as an adult and getting that diagnosis, um, was sort of similar to this moment for data for me. It was me going, Oh, this is, this is just the way that my brain works. I, this explains so much about my life. I am not broken. Mm -hmm. I am not less perfect. This is just the way that I was built. Yeah, I know. I I was diagnosed with ADD when I was nine, um, and back in the 1980s, that was a you went to a different school, you were in a different yeah. classroom, um, so it was a lot of learning to function within mm-hmm. that and and acceptance, you know, and, and and I think having that experience is what kind of transformed me into the the adversity that I've survived in my <laughs> life, and trust me, it's quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. 
but yeah, I learned that I am, I am who I am supposed to be and I like who I am, but yeah. it, it wasn't always, it certainly was not that way feeling so different and isolated, you know, when I was young. So I definitely, and, and data from. is such a strong representation for a lot of neurodivergent fans as well, True. regardless True. of what form that neurodivergence takes. There's ways that we relate to him yeah. because of the way that he's yeah. different from absolutely humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, the good news is there were no consequences for data at all, even yeah. though he risked the life of uh, this young child. And at the end of it, it, they, it just all got swept under the rug, which is very typical of any time somebody, you know, goes off half cocked. Yeah. Data has a malfunction. Like there are no consequences for him at the end of the uh, uh, season six cliffhanger, which again, mm -hmm. involved the Borg, but we will get to that much further on down the road. So awesome. Okay. Um, moving on to episode four is suddenly human. Gabrielle Beaumont, actually one of the first female directors uh, to work within the Star Trek franchise. I remember reading about that. Story is by Ralph Phillips, not a name that I recognize. Teleplay mm -hmm. by John Wepley, again, a name I don't know, and Jerry Taylor, co-creator of Star Trek Voyager. Mm -hmm. And I believe this is when she was really starting to get her bones uh, into the franchise. Uh, from October of 1990, Picard must help a human boy raised by aliens to decide his fate. Wow. Powerful stuff. Uh, the boy in question is actor Chad Allen, who was watching this with April, and she says, I had such a crush on him. He was on <laughs> some show, and I, I don't even know what show it was. I As a matter of fact, when, when April and I were watching, I don't think she knew what show it was, but she just remembered that she had a crush on him. Because, um, you know, he's handsome. He's a teen heartthrob, yeah. blonde kid, you know, you know athletic. Uh, but yeah, they, they stumble upon this ship uh, filled with a very minor functionary of a species, the Talarians. And I, I love this they think they're threatening to the Enterprise, but they basically have BB guns that they shoot at the end. That, that's the level of their weapons technology. And yeah, Picard's like, well, the last thing I want to do is blow up one of their ships, but okay, click. Um, he doesn't do it. But yeah, this, uh, you know, they're stuck with this kid who they found out, uh, you know, his, is obviously human. Uh, when he was an infant, uh, he lived on a colony. His parents were killed during a raid by these Talarians because there were border skirmishes that went back and forth. Talarian custom conveniently is that when you find the child of a slain enemy, you're allowed to basically, you know, it's, it's, it's finders keepers. It's possession is nine tenths. This is my kid now. Um, so he took this kid in, raised him and, you know, and, and indoctrinated this kid into the society for better, or for worse. And this turns into, as we've talked about in the past, one of your classic Star Trek morality plays, mm -hmm. you know, is it right to simply plug him back into, you know, he has surviving family. Is it right to simply plug him back into a surviving family or is it right to let him go back to the, the life that he knows and he loves regardless of the fact that it's not federation and it's not the way that we do things and it's not their, their custom sounds barbaric and you know how could we allow this and ultimately that is what Picard decides to do after you know this kid um practically commit suicide because he doesn't want to go back um yeah. picard ultimately says well i'm going to you know return him to the only life he's ever known um and lets him return so very powerful stuff but you see even at the end you know this kid has really bonded with picard because in the transporter room something in this culture is that the all the characters wear gloves they're very oj simpson or michael jackson if you prefer so that they don't have to touch something that's alien the kid takes off his gloves and hugs Picard or slaps him in the face. I don't know. He does something. I can't remember what he does. Gives him a high five, maybe. Whoop. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, th I thought this was a great episode too. It's they just, they, they, they are just on a roll. 
They are. They are. I I agree with the outcome of this. It's about yeah. respect. It's about respecting the wishes of the person whose life you're going to be affecting here. Yeah. Um, that's just sort of how I interpret it and how I see it. You know, the the fact that he's genetically human doesn't really matter. Kind of like what we were talking about with Worf too. Like, I mean, Worf being raised by humans. Um, it it. Family is not just in your genetics. Family is also in how you are raised and a lot of times in what you choose. And those bonds are stronger. And for him, those bonds were stronger. I mean, that was the culture that he was brought up in. It's it's the nature versus nurture. And I do think it would have been wrong to take him from you know, his, his, or to return him to, I should say, to return him to a human family just because of. Just cause. Yeah. 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 So superior stuff. Yeah. And definitely, um, definitely, like I said, classic Star Trek with that, Mm -hmm. um, with that, you know, making the tough decision, uh, and ultimately, uh, choosing the rights of the individual. So very good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Episode five is yours. Episode five is remember me, uh, directed by Cliff Bull and written by Lee Sheldon, October 20th, 1990. After an apparent failure of a warp field experiment, people begin to disappear from the Enterprise with only Dr. Crusher remembering that they ever existed. <laughs> Big <laughs> I like side. Oh yeah. I, I, I do. I do like this episode. This was one of the episodes that I had on tape and would like kind of rewatch <laughs> on my sick days. Right. Yeah. Um, but like in this one, I, again, with the ADHD and the things that I don't remember um, mm-hmm. or that I do remember or, you know, that that whole like, yeah. am, I, am I crazy? No, it's not something wrong with me. Maybe, maybe something, something wrong, wrong with the with universe. universe. Exactly. It feels that way sometimes. But right. yeah, this is, um, you know, there's not actually that many stakes. It's like, you know, the Wesley's experiment or whatever that's. Yeah erase people uh it's a it's a fun sci-fi story um it's a it's a cool thing for dr crusher to like take the center stage for something that's not actually just like a medical ethical dilemma but something that is personal to her um i enjoy it i like it i hear you i I, you know i mean (laughs) yeah it's a sick day episode you know i'll give them credit (laughs) for again giving um, giving Beverly something to do, which they do it here. And then at the end of the season, oh my God, they give her a romance. She has a romance later on in the season. That's not, you know, Picard or something that furnishes, you know, furthers that relationship with Picard. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this episode, but it's, it's kind of a myth to me, you know, because again, yeah. you know, it's, you're right, low stakes. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. great morality play in it. It, it doesn't no. spawn anything. It's just your typical, you know, um, you know, space anomaly of the week. Which, yeah. again, it's a Star Trek trope. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, you do get a revisit of the... In some ways, this this really furthers along the Wesley Crusher story because we get a return of Eric Menyek as the Traveler from season yes. one. And we do know that that is uh, Wesley's ultimate uh, destiny, as we do see he mm-hmm. pursues that life at the end of the series. And then we see him again at the uh, season finale of Star Trek uh, Picard season two, one of the few parts of that season that I thought actually worked because it was nice yeah. to see Will Wheaton again. Yeah, I liked um, So, yeah, it was... It was just okay, but I just I, I'm not like man. Eh, this is not one that I would definitely uh, turn on. Um, but it, but it's very Star Trekky, so it does yeah, it does stay true a, to form. It's a perfectly solid 
middle of the road episode. As it's far like as, as, concerned. as Homer Simpson would say, it's a perfectly serviceable wagon story. Uh, it's cromulent. <laughs> it's cromulent. It's a perfectly cromulent word. Yeah. Me fail English. That's impossible. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Let's wrap it up with episode right. six, which is legacy. Uh, directed by Robert Shear, Joe Minoski, again, a stalwart of the series. He's certainly bigger in Voyager because I hear Robbie, yes. and, uh, uh, Robbie and Garrett talked about him a lot during the Delta yeah. Flyers. From October of 1990, Tasha Yar's sister, Ishara, seeks to restore our uh, uh, order on their conflict-ridden world. Um, so we get actress Beth Toussaint, who I want to say she was in Something of Note. Otherwise, but I would definitely have to look it up. So I, I might kind of, no I might kind of have to do that as we're talking because it's really going to bother me. Um, but uh, yeah, we we do we we get a peek at um, the colony that Tasha's from. You know, Tasha obviously uh, Denise Crosby, who I've met several times mm-hmm. in real life, lovely woman. Um, even got to interview her on the radio several years ago when she was a guest at our local Grand Rapids Comic Con back when I, back when I worked in radio. So. Um, but, uh, it, you know, she doesn't appear in the episode, except I think she maybe she appears in Data's little hologram cube. I, I can't remember. I think so. Um, but this is really a Data story. And it's it's in some ways it's um, it's furthering that um, that relationship or the, the, the kind of the, the, the fragments of that relationship, because, you know. During the the Naked Now, which was the spoof on the Naked Time of the original series, you know, <laughs> Tasha gets drunk, she gets into a sexy outfit, and off camera, you know, she and uh, she and Data get down. And this was in episode like three of the series, fully functional, fully functional. <laughs> um, so this was a little bit uh, of an exploration upon that, and then Data, even without emotions, uh, gets to grows closer to this woman because again, mm-hmm. uh, he and this was the first of, of two times that his description of friendship is oh my god let me see if i can remember my says, sensory please. pathways have become accustomed to your presence your your inputs your sensory inputs or something sensory inputs, yes. some, something of that nature yes. all right oh let's, okay beth Toussaint uh worked as a model and appeared in the 1984 music video for the bon jovi song she don't know me and bob seeger's 1980 bob seeger michigan native uh bob seeger song like a rock and the 87 video for something i don't even know what it is she must have been on some show she was on dallas which is a show i loved um, I'm really stretching here. Young and the Restless, Babylon Five, uh, okay. Melrose Place, Matlock, Cheers. Okay, I I thought she was she, she had a starring role at and at, at some juncture, but anyway, it's it's the hey, it's that lady. Hey, it's that lady. Very you handsome know. woman, and she definitely yeah. aped the uh, haircut that was appropriate to clearly Tasha Yar's planet with the and that that kind of everybody had a low cut shirt men and women alike mm-hmm. there was one outfit low cut shirt jacket with big shoulder pads um was apparently no undergarments. The, yeah the yes and no undergarments exactly <laughs> yeah, Every, everybody Every oh we got or her yeah her in that jumpsuit it was yeah well just the less we say about that yeah. the better kind of reminiscent of the original series with some yes. of the Stanley Clad outfits yes. we saw on that show <laughs> it was like ooh okay um but no I liked it I, I liked this episode I think it gave us a nice touch um upon um the fact that yes this is a family member of someone that we love but doesn't mean that they're a good person um right which you know what we've all encounter that in our life you know like oh here's my best friend's brother we're going to be buds but he's a real jackass or he's a criminal or he's going to do something to harm me you know what i mean (laughs) um and it's that kind of thing and and picard says it you know at the end um 
because you know when the when everything is revealed that uh, her going along and helping the the crew and of course we have a very star trekky plot like we've got to rescue a down shuttlecraft and save some people and she she and her terrorist buddies offer to help but ultimately they're offering to help so that they can they can blow up this this reactor so that they can kill all of their own enemies so at the yeah. end of it picard says you know fine you know he lets them off the hook and you know the lead terrorist guy she just you know screw you and Riker says well you're far more charitable than I would have been captain and he uh Picard says back to him I understand how you feel we all wanted to see something in this woman of Tasha and it was something that wasn't there and like I said we've we've all been there you know we we, we've all gone out on a limb for someone when we thought they were one thing and they turned out to be something absolutely something else so um it's the ultimate expression of our our human fallacy to want to trust people um which (laughs) I mean, you have to try, um, you have to try, you know, and it it was great to see how data, even without his emotions really became, you know, attached and, and learned something, uh, from this as he and Riker, you know, had that conversation at the end. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I like this one as well. This is such a rock solid packet of episodes that, um, now that we've reached the end here and we've got to talk about a favorite and a least favorite, I'm going to be struggle bus on this one, but you want to go, you want to go or should I? Well, to talk about legacy. Oh um, my goodness! Sorry, I, 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 got, so, I got so rambly. My bad. Um, well, no, it's fine. It's fine. I don't have a ton to say about it because, um, you know, of these six, this is the one that I actually remembered the least, and I did okay. rewatch it to kind of jog yeah. my memory on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's too little, too late to try to give some character development to Tasha after the fact. It's been so long. Um, mm-hmm. I see the point that you are trying to make. I, I'm I'm one of these people, right, that I'm gonna just go with my own experiences of someone rather than sure, you know sure. how I what I whatever I've heard from anyone else. Yeah, um, double-edged sword without a doubt. Yeah, and, and it is, it is, because sometimes that works in my favor and sometimes it does not. And yeah, same here. Um, same here. You know, it's it's a tricky thing to try to figure out who to trust just because someone else vouches for someone or just because someone has a connection to someone just, you know, just kind of just to echo what you were saying too. Um, But yeah, I'm, I just really wish that we had had more of Yar. I know that we never did. I mean, not, not, not really. Um, But you know, that's kind of all I have to say about it. I Um, hear you. It's just, it, yeah, this this was fine. This was probably to segue into the next segment. This was probably my least favorite of the bunch. Yeah, fair, fair. So, so all right. Well, then, what's your most favorite? Since since you've already gotten that. <laughs> um, I know it's just stuck. Yeah, the rest of them are really difficult. Um, best of both worlds, part two. Yeah, yeah. Just I as, hear you as it as it being it's best of both worlds you yeah. know and even as a second segment to it even just as on its own rather than just because it's tied to the first one because it is you know best of both worlds you take it all together right right so, yeah totally um, yeah that that'd be my favorite I but it you. is tough yeah big t- and, and isn't it great to be have this this you know solid six pack of episodes and really have to split hairs about what's it's like what's, the whole what's, season two of strange new world yeah i know yeah it's, <laughs> you, you're struggling to find something bad yeah. um i'm gonna say that uh remember me was kind of my nothing burger as i had mentioned yeah. it wasn't a terrible story but it just didn't necessarily go anywhere and i didn't really feel like 
there were any stakes to it. I didn't feel like Beverly was ever really in danger. I didn't feel like no. it wasn't going to work out, um, which is, of course, you know, I, a byproduct of having, you know, a regular cast of a show. You don't necessarily, it's not like TV these days where somebody could get killed off like that, but it mm-hmm. just, it just didn't really make me think that. And then uh, tops for me again, best of both worlds following through, but that third part, that family, um, yeah really blew me away. Cause like I said, with an A and a B and a C story, while they didn't share equal spotlight, each one of them had a punch that was something different that I think speaks to the life experience of so many different people in so many different ways, strained, uh, you know, uh, sibling relationships, uh, you know, not feeling like you don't measure up or feeling like you measure up too much, uh, being a child of adoption. I don't have an experience with that, but I can imagine, you know, always trying to find yourself. We all deal with trying to find ourselves in almost every phase of our lives. And then, and then dealing with an absentee parent, you know, I mean, my, my dad wasn't, isn't dead. My dad is still with me, but when I was a kid, he was very absentee, you know, I mean, if not in person, then emotionally as, as is frequently the case with fathers and sons. Um, and eventually we found our way and, and Wesley never had that chance. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that really, the really, you know, father son stuff is, is always my button. I've had a really tough relationship with my sons. Um, so that kind of thing always really speaks to me. So, uh, that's the one for me. So, Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. We will uh, be back in a couple of weeks uh, to start talking about Lower Decks, which will be awesome. Lower Decks. And then then the next seven episodes uh, of the fourth season of um, Star Trek, uh, The Next Generation Season 4. Jen, thank you very much for being here. Where do people find you out there? You can find me on my link tree, which is linktree.com slash jenwatsonart. That has links to my Instagram, my Facebook, my Etsy shop. And my articles for Screen Rant, where Woo-hoo-hoo! I am uh, just recently been hired to write for the Star Trek beat. So I yeah! have a lot of fun and interesting articles already up with a lot more to come. Uh, so that'll be of interest to our listeners here in Code 47. Yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, you can find all of that at my Linktree. Again, linktree.com slash Jen Watson Art. Well, we may find a way because it's, it's, it's well past the time that I'd love to add you to our website as a contributor. <laughs> and then maybe we can find a way to get, to get you know, if you have a landing page for your articles that we can post there as well so we will look into that for sure Mm -hmm. um i uh can be found over on x or twitter if you prefer at the c3 go ahead and spell it out Uh, my lovely wife april and i do run the uss grand petoskey one of the largest chapters of starfleet the international star trek fan club we are based here in west michigan but have members all over the state i actually also run region 13 which is michigan and eastern canada if you're a trekker within the sound of my voice in that geography would like to be connected to other trek uh trek Find us on social media and in a website of that same name, and we will make it happen. All right, friends, one more time, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring, and to keep on trekking. And be the Starfleet that you wish to see in the world. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.